Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. All right, now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's experience. We hope you are blessed. I keep telling my children that I'm a prophet. Um, I had no idea that Chandler was going to pass away. Um... But then the week before, or the series before, I was preaching on the end times, the war broke out in Israel, so I don't know what's ahead of you for this series, but uh, God has something to say to you through the mouths of stupidity here. Uh, If you ever look at your family around the holidays, uh, does anybody else have a dramatic family where sometimes things go awry? Yeah. Uh, The weekend that we're in is like the official kickoff to the holiday season. Uh, it's a season where we lead in from Thanksgiving and Christmas, and these, these times are where families come together, and, and we get to be present in each other's lives. And being present, however, means you might be unwrapping some uh, seasonal dramatics. Um, and so <laughs> the show Friends is iconic. It is like, like all of my family identifies as a specific character, uh, reminds us that our families sometimes look like a sitcom, right? So some families and friends, they get together and they share memories, and uh, there's new ones at holidays that are fun, like getting a turkey stuck on your head. Then um, they're done that. All right, other families, um, you know, get in fights or pour gasoline on an old fight to see who might win that Thanksgiving football trophy that means nothing but to your family members and pride. Or, you know, it's everything to Ross and Monica. Uh, Maybe other people have Phoebes in your family where you just want the unending strife just to have peace for a moment, um, and she'll write a song about it because um, she wants everybody to get along. So maybe if your family looks like an episode of Friends, maybe you should shout out to me what character you are. Anybody, go ahead. One, two, three. Who are you? Monica. You yelled Monica. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are, Nicole Whitfield. You are 100%. What's scary is that I'm Ross, so I'm your brother. That's 100% why my brother has called me my entire life. You're so Ross. All right. Today, um, I want to speak peace on our families suffering from strife. Um, So my heart is to send you out of this place as a peacemaker so that in every situation, in every holiday encounter or every get-together that you have, you're going to feel like the holidays are like a good friend episode, not, you know, not like the holiday where everything goes wrong, people are, you know, set the kitchen on fire or rip out all your sister's hair like uh, Rachel just did. Um, in, in 2023, people are, seem to be very emotional, all right? Uh, I, I might say over-emotional. Uh, like if you get online, you, you can watch people just swing from the pendulum, right? They're either like super happy or like they're super ticked off. Right? And so it just seems that there's like this constant crazy swing. And sometimes I feel like some of us end up in this, this plot that is nuts, like a sitcom, and drama begins to escalate quickly. And, and I'm going to tell you why I think that. Because emotions, they are complicated things. Amen? Yeah. Emotions are messy. You know, they're, they're neither good nor bad. They're just emotions. But sometimes they reach a boiling point that they will explode and not only will stuffing hit the fan, but it splatters on everything that it just flings around the room, right? And on everybody else around the room. 
And that's why God says, hey, don't sin in your anger because it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody else. So one time I made someone sin in their anger purposely. Uh, I did it because it wasn't from a sitcom that I got it, but from a reality TV show called Boiling Points on MTV. Um, anybody ever seen Boiling Points, early 2000s? Okay, so let me give you this concept. The entire concept was to make someone angry. The producer would put a time clock on the screen and then they would stick a horrible person in a situation where everybody else was an actor except that person and they would annoy the daylights out of them and they would see how long it would take for this victim to boil over and explode in anger. Now, I love the show. When it came out on TV, I was like, this is hilarious because I was a student pastor and I was like, ho, 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 we're totally doing this. Um, and apparently I'm still a student pastor, so watch out, that's all I'm saying. But I had this idea to replicate it to my Genesis staff, and I didn't tell anyone except my student ministry volunteers. So one night I set up my college pastor to be the boiling points victim. And we went in at midnight and we destroyed his office. Like when I say destroyed, I meant destroyed. Like back in the day you had phone books still in the early 2000s, so we shredded them and stuck them all over the walls. And then we got beanbag chairs and had a pillow fight with them ripped open and then styrofoam. Those little balls, man, they stick to everything. It's crazy when you explode six of them. And then we had styrofoam peanuts because my friend worked at a packing place and we filled the room. So we opened the door, it would all fly out. Um, it was crazy. And uh, then we took out his desk and his chair and everything off his walls and we set his office up in the men's room. Just like on the sitcom, uh, The Office, um, we pulled a Jim Halpern on Dwight. All right, so he arrived the next day <laughs> I was such a jerk, I guess. We were all waiting in his office, giggling in the dark. And as soon as the door opened, we started filming. And, he, and then we refused to say anything. That was part of it, was just to keep making him mad. So he kept saying, like, what did you do with all my stuff? Why are you doing this to me? Why won't you answer me? And so he got madder and madder until he stormed out. And then I started following him around with my camera, dude. And I kept saying, colder, warmer that make him happier until he found his office between two urinals. All right, now, needless to say, he was not amused. I was, he was not amused. His emotions boiled over and he said a few choice words that I had to edit out for my video. Um, now, do you ever feel like that when it comes to being with your friends or your family? Like you're in this pressure cooker and then the lid is about to go flying off and it's like someone's going warmer, 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 and then boom, you explode. Why do we get like that? Well, believe it or not, family can be difficult, right? Friendships can be trying. Relationship pain can be devastating. Now, I believe that the people sometimes that we love the most are the people that can hurt us the most. But I also know that there's this season that I believe God is going to prep us for. And, and here's what I believe he's calling us to. To love like we've never been wounded. Sounds like a joke, right? Because we all know someone that's going to break our heart. We all know that someone is going to say something hurtful to us at some point in our life. We all know someone will eventually stab us in the back or disappoint us or reject us. Chances are somebody already has. And you sit there and, you know, I say this to you and like faces are just starting to like show up in your mind. Maybe it's the parent that walked out or the spouse that cheated on you, 
or a friend who betrayed you for no reason, whatever it is, you loved hard and you were hurt badly. Now, when that happens, it almost feels, from personal experience, like someone has drained your capacity to love, right? And in place of that, anger just shows up and it builds and it builds until you get resentment. Life like that, if you live life like that, I'm telling you, you're not living life what Bible talks about when you live life to the fullest. That, that's, not, that's not it. That's not how God intended you to live. That's not how he designed you to live because you and I are designed to walk in godly relationship. Relationship with him and relationship with others. But how do you love like you've never been wounded when you have, right? You see this family, the sitcom, you know, just took a deep plot twist on all of y'all. It was like, ha, ha, ha. And then Pastor Scott made me like really depressed. So here's what we're going to do. I want to, I want to teach you how to love. Because I think it's easy to love someone when they love you back, right? It's easy to love somebody when there's absolutely no conflict whatsoever. Or when you share the same worldview. Or you have the same theology. Or you have the same moral standard. Or you have the same hatred towards cats. Like, all of those things, right? During, like, those honeymoon periods of you, like, getting a new friend or you starting a new relationship, like, it's so much easier to love and forgive and be like, oh, that's okay, because you haven't lived with it for 20 or 30 years yet, right? It's easier to love your kids when they act right. My kid just got a ticket on the way here. And I was like, you better not show up to church. All right. When you have your health, or when you have like prosperity, and there's not those pressures, it's easier to love somebody. But when you are in chronic pain, or when you live in financial crisis, right, we tend to blow up quicker. But no one lives in that state all the time, and that's not life. So how do you know that there's ups and downs in life? And sometimes life just happens, right? And it's messy. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt in life, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt and then got super angry at that person, okay? Yeah, so Jesus told us in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Not might, he said, will have trouble. Matthew 18, 70 says, offenses will come. They're gonna show up. Offenses will come, even by the people who are supposed to be the ones looking out for you. So getting hurt is inevitable. It's part of life. But that is not the end of the story. God does not want you and I walking around, acting rejected, feeling hurt all the time, being like lost with four, five, six, seven divorces, right? He intended us to be whole, for you to be healed. He created you to love like you've never been wounded because that's how he loves each and every one of us. And we are made in his image. That means you are like him in personality and in character. And listen, I have had people and pastors who have spoken harsh things to me, ripped me to shreds, cut me down just by being in the ministry. Like when you are in the ministry and you deal with people nonstop, guess what? You deal with broken people. And when they hurt you, it hurts sometimes for a long time. And for a long time, it made me angry. And it made me bitter. And I operated out of that anger. 
But obviously, they didn't have the last word in my life. I'm still here. I'm not really angry anymore, right? I'm not wounded by them anymore because I let God do a work in me. But there are some people in this world, and I don't know why, but they're, they're, in, they're there, and they are going to intentionally try to take you down for the count if you let them have control over you. If you let them control the way that you think and the way that you act and the way that you talk or talk. And see, so what's going to happen is that the stuff that's inside you and the things that you're dwelling on will begin to fester, man. And it will begin to create this unbelievable anger in you. And, and what's happening is that it just, as you just get angrier and angry, it just festers more and more. Let me give you this, this example. Next week is Veterans Day weekend. Show up here. We're going to honor our vets. But like I was doing this and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to kick this off by just giving a historical example in U.S. history. Okay. So 20th president of the United States, James Garfield, was in office for four months, four, and got shot in the back. You think that's, that's bad, right? But that bullet did not kill him. No, he actually got it lodged right behind his pancreas and it didn't even do any harm, no damage, other than like, you know, the bullet wound. But Back in those days, doctors weren't worried about germs because they couldn't see them, right? And after he was shot, they just kept sticking his fingers in the wound and using unsterilized instruments to try to get that bullet out. And they did it for 80 days. <laughs> they kept going back in. And the infections are what killed him. He eventually died because they kept probing the wound. We do this with our wounds. We replay bad memories like they are a gif, or if you're a weirdo, a gif, right? Those images that just go back and forth, back and forth, right? We talk about them with anybody who will listen. We think, man, this is what I should have said, right? And we somehow get this weird monologue that if we ever come into contact with them, if we ever have this moment with them again, dude, this is what I'm going to say. Here's my plan. And we poke, and we prod, and we get something in that gaping wound. And in the process, we just make everything worse. We make, we make ourselves so much sicker. We make ourselves so much madder. We get so much more bitter. And then out of that process, you get hard-hearted. And you begin to even withhold love from people that need it the most in your life. So that's not God's plan. Sorry to tell you that. This is not how God wants us to live, but I'm telling you, so many of us live like this. And God is saying to someone here today, I promise you, I almost did not get up here to preach today. My back is out right now, and I'm just hobbling on this chair. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, God is going to speak to someone today and says, I want to give you a new story, a new beginning, a new start. What you've been through is the past. From this day forward, new story. He wants to heal what is broken in us. So we're going to do this series over this three-week process. And this is just the setup, okay? We're going to figure out through this series, one, how to let go of our anger and start walking in biblical forgiveness like we're supposed to. And then two, how do we reconcile our broken relationships. Why is this so important? So that your family does not look like a dramedy or a sitcom, 
that's only funny to other people who are watching because it's so ridiculous, you do not have to live that way. The bottom line is we are called to put relationships back together, not allow them to be torn asunder. See, I said it. You're not supposed to walk around being broken. You and I are not supposed to live with one another with broken relationships, stonewalling each other, not talking, not passive-aggressive kind of garb. No, 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 no. The body of Christ is full of that garbage. It's so stupid. That's how the devil tried to get a foothold into his church because Jesus' church is supposed to be unified. Paul says, above all, keep the unity of the body of Christ. And so what does Satan want to do? Poke the, poke the wound. Oh, if he can make you mad at her and her mad at you and him mad at him, and then y'all talk about it, he can destroy the place from inside out. Body of Christ, full of broken relationships. It's just this. Parents who are estranged from their kids. We have Christian believers who have not spoken to family or friends in years, and they live in the same city. Some of us have been abused or we lost someone, and we don't even feel like we have the capacity to love anymore. We're too hurt. We're too hurt to figure out that there are still loved ones that need to be loved by us in our lives. And this sickness can only be healed by his love. 1 Corinthians 13, everybody tries to read it at weddings. It has nothing to do with weddings. It's how we are supposed to love one another. It says, if I speak with the tongue of men or angels, but I don't have love, then I'm an only just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, noise, I'm noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that says this mountain move and it moves, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have to the poor and I give my body over to hardship so that I may boast in Christ, listen, but I don't have love, then I gain nothing by what I do. Here is how love is supposed to operate in every one of your relationships. Love is kind. Love is patient. It has breaks. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not puffed up. It doesn't dishonor somebody. It doesn't shout somebody down. It doesn't ridicule anyone. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't have a motive. It's not easily angered. Stop being so easily angered by everything on this planet. It keeps no record of wrongs. Man, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And sometimes I think we read this passage in the Bible and we're like, mm, that's nice. 
but we never take hold of it, right? We, we, we brush off its truth. We kind of like just eh, throw off its power. But love is a powerful force. And in this passage, Paul says that love is greater than even sacrifice. Love is greater than even some crazy, cool spiritual gift that you got. God says what is needed most in our lives is love. Everybody say love. love. We seek to love God and we seek to love ourselves. We seek to love others. And we can learn to love despite what has happened in our past. Listen, you can be the person in your family to break the cycle of brokenness. You can be the person in your family to break the cycle of constant bickering and angry, screaming and shouting in your family. You can be the person who breaks the cycle of resentment and hard-heartedness towards people. You can mend your family's repeated pattern. It does not have to continue with you. I don't care if it's plagued your family for generations. Well, this is just how the the hunters act. No, it doesn't have to be like, well, this is how the so-and-sos act. No. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all of this is from God who reconciled us through Christ and gave us a ministry, a job to do, representing him of reconciliation. Pastor Stephanie said that that word today, and I was like, oh, that's nice, because I'm talking about that. What does reconciliation mean? To settle a quarrel, to bring into agreement, to bring into harmony. Know what harmony means? It is the get-along shirt for everybody, for all of us to be stuck into it at the same time. You know what the get-along shirt is? where you put two kids and they're about to punch each other out. You put both their heads in the shirt hole and they have to stick their arms out and hug each other and be with each other all daggum day. Get along. End the war. Declare a truce. Choose to stop being so ticked off. It's a choice. Stop screaming, we were on a break, like Ross, okay? And instead, pivot, right? That's what you're called to do. As a Christ Believer, you are called as the church to pivot from pain to healing and then reconcile those broken relationships. So today, I want to close this thing out by dealing with something specific. We're going to talk a little bit about anger. Many of us live lives, right, that are just entrenched in anger. Like, we don't want to reconcile. We don't want to make things right. You reconcile. I'd rather say ticked. And that's pretty much the opposite of what God says is abundant life. John 10, 10 for the the thief, the liar, Satan is the one that's come to kill, steal, and destroy your relationships and your whole world. Your relationship with God, a relationship with love. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. I have shown up on this earth to give you life more abundantly. Not life full of strife, not life engaged constantly in mudslinging and backbiting. That's not godly living. Our culture admires, no, no, no. They they lift up and praise one-ups on somebody else. Like the Chandler-like zingers, like we we love to like shout somebody down and be like, oh, burn, right? We love blaming. Some of y'all have a problem with loving being right. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so perfect in that area right? I have learned working with all females for like a couple years. I, I'm never right. Um, okay, now, all the men. Praise the Lord. 
we actually love sometimes, I think, being angry. Because our culture values anger and blasting others. Just watch a rant on TikTok or, or Facebook or Instagram when someone just didn't do something right. Oh, man, everyone's just mad over stuff that they, it's like the dumbest stuff. That is not what God says is important. Relationships are still the things that matter the most on earth. God says, here's what matters. Me? People. Here's what doesn't matter. Being right or being the one that has the last word or getting a good quip and a big burn in somebody and making them feel like garbage about themselves. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees that kept pressing him? They kept asking him, well, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Because they're always looking to trap him. Here's what Jesus replied to them. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That means all your passion, with all of your soul, the essence that makes you uniquely you with all of your mind. Love God with every thought that you have. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Take care of your neighbor like you take care of you. Lift them up like you want to be lifted up. That's what he says life is all about, loving God and loving others. Listen, I know what it's like to get hurt, and I've experienced enormous amount of hurt in my life. Churchy church people are the worst. You aren't because we got all those dumb people have left. Hallelujah. God pruned them away. Praise the Lord. But I'm, I'm not kidding because I have lived through hell in this place a time or two. Bring you more. Because I had to let the Lord come in and do a work in my heart and in my mind and not get so obsessed over what they think about me or what they said about me or what I heard from so-and-so down the street about or this online or this person trying to take me down. When we get hurt, I know the temptation is to say, screw it. I don't like these people. I don't need these people. You can take this relationship stuff and stuff it in the turkey. Listen, don't act so holy. You're half hood on bad days too. Listen, you say shove it and screw it. Sorry, mom. Listen, but here's the deal. I've discovered that God doesn't get irritated that you're mad or that you're even hurt. It's natural. But what he doesn't want you to do is sin in your anger. He wants to help you heal. And he will if you will let him. I'm living proof of it. So some big moments, they're gonna rock your world. They're gonna change your life. But things like forgiveness and healing and moving past the past, they are necessary if you want that abundant life, that more kind of life that Jesus Christ is talking about. And these things that I'm asking you to do, they're not easy to do. They're actually downright hard. But my question is, are you going to remain being ticked off and wreck the rest of your life or allow somebody else to wreck the rest of your life and you wreck the life of everybody else around you because you don't want to be well? See, Jesus has this encounter with this man uh, that's lying by the pool of Bethesda, right? And so if you don't know the story, once a year, the waters would be stirred up and whoever got into the pool would be physically healed. Well, this man couldn't walk, couldn't get there, and everybody got in faster than him every single year. And he had laid there for years and years and years, and then Jesus shows up. And he looks at him and says to him, do you want to be made well? 
And the man started giving excuses. Well, I can't get down in there and the water is stirred and I can't. See, he didn't think he could get well. So he stopped caring to get well. Is that you? Have you just settled in to like, well, this is my, my better life. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with just this amount of brokenness or anger. Or do you want to get well? Or do you want the wrecked relationships of your life to not be wrecked and be mended, to be reconciled? God wants to turn your attitude from being PO'd to being peacemaker this morning. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I love the phrase peacemaker, but I think of it like peace manufacturer, meaning you have to be a peace creator. It's something that you and I have to work on to build, right? It's not just going to happen on its own. It takes effort. It takes mental effort that you're going to have to choose to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, who hurts you. You choose to forgive them. I promise you right now, if you will choose to forgive them mentally, even if your heart isn't like, yeah, no, 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 no. But you say to right now out loud, I forgive, fill in the blank. Here's what happens. God will allow your heart to catch up to your mind. Your heart will catch up to your head. Your heart will catch up to your statement. And then it's going to take some spiritual effort to settle these disputes and to create some peace and not sitcom strife, right? So get in your mind that we're going to pursue peace this holiday season. And when you do, here's what happens. If you have that mentality, your entire outlook changes and you give God this room to operate in that, right? God's not going to operate in a cold heart that doesn't want to be operated on. But if you say, God, I'm going to give you some room to work. I'm going to forgive. It might be a little bit of room, but I'm telling you, this is what the Holy Spirit does. Here's what he does. He begins to give you a peace that scripture says passes human understanding. And when your internal peace rises up, it affects everything in the external atmosphere. You will not want to be the person that hurts somebody. You will not want to be the person that dwells on revenge. You will want to be the person that hangs out with your family and your friends and your coworkers. And, and it won't make sense to let an argument go or let somebody's stupid, ignorant statement go, but you will. And you'll be like, what in the world? That's the Holy Spirit messing with you, making you more like Christ Jesus. And it won't make sense, I'm telling you, but you have to intentionally make a choice. And it starts here and it starts now with you simply speaking out, God, I forgive them. God, fix this mess in my life. God, I give you room to operate. Go and do what you do best. Here's what happens when you intentionally pay attention to this. Peace breaks out because it consumes your mind, it consumes your heart. Peace doesn't happen on its own, but he, peace happens when you make an effort to make it happen. You have to pursue peace, go after peace. So I'm practical and I'm gonna give you four quick how-tos, okay? I'm gonna give you four 
quick how-tos to kick off this series that will allow you to switch from being so angry to letting the Lord do a work in your heart so that you might go from PO'd to peacemaker. Okay? The first thing that all of us have got to do, number one, tame the tongue. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. Your tongue and my tongue, the Bible says, is set on like the fires of hell. Well, that's fun, but I got to control that. But that's what God says. No, the Holy Spirit got to control that kind of stuff. Because if you want to add gas to a fire, shoot your mouth off. I guarantee you, you can make it explode. If you want to bring calamity and crazy, just start spewing crazy like everybody else. But if you want to bring calmness and peace to a sticky holiday quarrel, you got to choose peace. You've got to choose to hold your tongue, even though they're the most bigoted, ignorant, stupid person on planet Earth, and they say the dumbest thing to you. Respond like a champ. Let that person be a chump. Number two, don't jump into the struggle. When a family feud erupts, please don't pick sides. Don't add to the conflict. Instead, start praying over it. And listen, I don't care if you are at Thanksgiving table and you got to scoop up the gravy and start anointing your aunt with holy gravy oil and just praying over her in the spirit and be like, oh, Lord, make this woman shut her mouth. Hallelujah but you refuse to join in. Don't join in the madness. Instead, pray. Now, I know that you're not going to annoy anybody with gravy. That's a little weird. Funny, but weird. But you can start praying your mind, and you can start like praying scripture over what's happening right now. Number three, told you these are fast. Pay attention to your crowd. I'm not talking about who you're stuck at a holiday experience with, okay? I'm talking about people that you do life with on a daily, regular basis basis. Listen, if they are disgruntled and bitter, if they are negative all the time, if they are just critical of everything, if you keep doing life with them all the time, guess who you're going to become? 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't become what you don't want to become. Find some other people to live that peace with who will build you up and encourage you and say positive things. Listen, I promise you, you will fight less, way less. You can still be friends with that person, but sometimes, sometimes you got to be friends at a distance and not just constantly do life with them. Lastly, number four, my favorite, stop. Best point ever. You should take a picture of that because you're going to forget it. Stop it. Stop. Just stop. 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 What am I talking about? Stop talking about it. Stop dwelling about it. Stop gossiping about it. Give it over to God and just stop. Isaiah 26.3, you, God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, who are constantly going after you because they trust in you. So allow the peace of God to rule your heart, to rule your mind, to rule your life. You were created to be a peace manufacturer, So allow the Holy Spirit to guard your unguarded moments and to teach you to not be a troublemaker, but to be a peacemaker, especially at the holidays, because it does take effort. It's going to take effort to want to be healed. It's going to take spiritual work on a journey to get there. We're going to deal with that in the weeks to come. I promise you, 
you do not need to miss next week. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, oh, 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 I got a good one planned for you. Listen, just know it's going to take effort to let some stuff go. It's going to take effort to do the right thing, to take the biblical approach in dealing with conflict for the love of God. Let's do the biblical approach in dealing with conflict and learn to speak directly to the person who has offended us and try to make peace. And here's the thing. When you do the right thing, I promise you, you will get the right results. You will get God results. It won't even make any sense. And your family's going to less look less like a sitcom this year, and it'll just be calm instead. Colossians 3.15, let me leave you with this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, as all believers, we are called to live at peace with one another. And I love this. And always, always just be thankful. You know why he ends it that way? Because if I'm thankful for you, I'm so less apt to get angry at you. If you're thankful for me and you cherish me, that means you have goodwill towards me. And it means that something that I say that's dumb or I don't mean to say something, you're not going to be so offended at it. When I love you, when I love you relentlessly, and you love me like that, and I'm thankful for you, it's so much harder to be angry because I love you. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Let. Get that? Action. Choose it. Let it happen. Make room. And then the peace of God will overwhelm you and consume you. And then what you do is you walk in, you just become this, not just a peacemaker, but a peace spreader. And it just begins to ripple effect and you change not just your family, but then their circle of friends and their circle of friends. And so it's just this ripple effect. This season, we're called to be peacemakers. Let's go and let's be that. And always be thankful. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I know that there's so many people in this room, God, that have just they've been wounded. But Lord, I pray today that they just get in their mind that they're not going to let that person have control over them anymore. To let the past be the past. And to start fresh with you today. Lord, for my brother or my sister who needs to hear, Lord, that you are writing a new story. Let healing consume them today. Listen, I don't know who it is. But sweet Holy Spirit, will you just, just consume them today? Wrap your loving arms around them. Let them feel your physical presence today. Lord, for those who have no clue who you even are, God, let them experience, Lord, your presence so they know that you're real. That you love them. 
whether they love you or not or know who you are or not, God, I pray, Lord, they would just understand right now in this moment that there is a God of love and that you, Jehovah God, you want them. You want them to be part of your family. Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at 1031 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person every Sunday at 1031 right here at 4070 Mission Road in Tallahassee. God bless you and have a great day.